buttons because really I just end up breaking them quite simply. So, <laughs> um, so it's a case of, well, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. So that, that's what I'm doing. Um, but on a, on a downside to it, I can get quite morose and melancholic and sad um, when thinking over the last year. You know, over this last year, I start thinking, what have I done for God? What have I done um, to promote Jesus? And, well, I haven't turned into Billy Graham this year, so not a lot, really. And um, I I haven't turned into a prolific songwriter like Matt Redman or anything like that, so I can get really... I don't know, really sad about these things. But I'm not quite as bad as someone I'm going to read from this morning. And I think New Year's resolutions really are all about trying to live your life better or trying to live your life well. And I think that's something as a Christian that we should always be aiming at to do. So... I thought, is there any wisdom out there? Well, there is a section of books in the Bible called Wisdom Books, and I'm going to read from one of the wisdom books. I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes. So now you know why there is someone who's more sad than I am, because... Just listen to this. Some of it starts good, and then it gets progressively worse. (laughs) So... A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. Oh, right, okay. It gets worse. It is better to go to a house of mourning than go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. And the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so the laughter of fools, this too, is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not quit. Be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing, and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. A righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. Wisdom makes one wise more 
powerful than ten rulers in a city. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate, and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look, says the teacher, this is what I have discovered, adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things. While I was still searching but not finding, I found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. This only have I found. God made mankind upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. So I just want to look through some of the verses, and some of it's quite quick, because I want to get on to my main verse. So in, in verses 1 to 6, about ha- having a, bet- a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death, and better to go to a house of mourning, and all of that. Um, from my own personal point of view, I don't feel it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, having done the house of mourning about three years ago, just before a time of feasting. But what the um, teacher is trying to teach us is that most people live a very superficial life. And because they live a superficial life, they don't think about eternal things and they don't think about more serious things. And so what he's trying to encourage us to do is saying that, you know, when you are face to face with death, it kicks a lot of things into perspective. And it's about having this serious view and start looking at eternal things. You know, and by having a serious view of life, it will help us to live life well and life as a a godly life. Because we know that tonight there will be a lot of frivolity and a lot of songs of fools and a lot of New Year's resolutions made never to drink so much like that again or whatever tomorrow because they're suffering for it. Then in verses 7, 8 and 9, it's all about having an ex- living an acceptable life and having a good reputation, so not being ex- extorting people and being patient and not losing our rank. In verse 10, why were the old days better than these? I think this is something we all do. I think we all have selective memories. We call them the good old days. thing is, they're not actually as good as we remember them. And if we look back too much... And go, you know, and keep looking back and keep looking back. It can prevent us from moving forward and taking hold of what God has got for us in the future. And it can prevent us from overcoming things because we think, oh, well, we failed at that and we failed at that. And rather than build us with faith to overcome, it fills us with despair not to even try. 
Verses 11 and 12 talk about wisdom and money. And the thing is, if you're going to have lots of money, then you need wisdom to handle it. Otherwise, it's not going to be a shelter for you. Um, But overall, wisdom is a better guarantee to leading a good life. In 13 and 14, it's about good times and bad times and straightened and crooked. And it's about God being in control of all of our lives, both the good and the bad. And I think it's a, I know Becky posted on this before Christmas, that when times are good, be happy. You know, don't feel guilty. Be happy in those times. And when times are bad, consider God has made one and the other. Then we talk about the righteous man perishing in his righteousness and the wicked man living long in his wickedness. Again, this is all down to God. And, you know, maybe this is one of the questions we'll, we'll all be asking when we get to heaven. So how, how come some good people died young and some bad people didn't die young at all? They were living into their 90s and still causing problems around the world. Right, and then it's talking about being over-righteous and over-wise and over-wicked and being a fool. You need to remember that righteousness comes from Jesus. It comes from our right standing with Jesus and our trusting with him. To be over-righteous, which we can be, we can be like the Pharisees and we can reduce it down to rules. And being overwise, you can just reduce that down to being lots of facts and lots of knowledge. When actually, you know, if we want to boil it right down, it is about that relationship with Jesus. Being over wicked and a fool and over righteous and over wise. Neither of those, none of those extremes are going to lead to a full life. The only thing that is going to lead us to having a full life is having God at the forefront of our lives. It's good to grasp the one and and not let go of the other. A righteous man or an upright man or a man who fears God or a woman as well will fear and avoid all extremes. And over-wicked, over-righteous, over-wise, they're all extremes. Verses 20 and 22 to 22 talk about sin and gossip, uh, two things that we should avoid. And then 23 to 29 are quite self-explanatory. He's trying to find the wisdom and the meaning of all things, but he couldn't do it. What he finds is he finds more bitter than death, a woman who is a snare. And then he goes on to talk about, and I find this really harsh, in all of his searching and finding, he can only find one man among a thousand that is upright or wise, but he cannot find a single woman among them all. So I think that's really harsh. But I think perhaps when we consider the writer, the writer is King Solomon. 
he has got hundreds of wives and concubines. And his father was King David and his mother was Bathsheba. And that relationship didn't start off very well for them. And if that's his, you know, if that's his whole experience sort of thing, I, I think it, you know, maybe he's going in with um, a biased view to start with. So to say that you can't find one upright woman among them all is very harsh. <laughs> Plus he's never met every single woman on earth, I don't think so. Maybe we can get out of it that way. But the verse I really wanted to focus on was verse 18, about it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. And I was thinking, just for argument's sake, I was thinking in terms of being a Calvinist or being an Armenian. And they're opposite ends of maybe a stick. And you can be an extreme Calvinist at one end, or you can be an extreme Armenian at the other end. But we're all holding the stick at some point. But we, if we need, if we're going to be extreme, you can grasp the one, but you, you can't still hold on to the other side because it's too extreme. And really, the truth is somewhere around the middle. So we need to hold on to one and not let go of the other. And, you know, New Year's resolutions are extreme a lot of the time. Like, I'm never going to eat chocolate again. Or, I'm going to go to the gym every day for the whole year. I'm not. And I think sometimes as Christians we also do this, that next year I'm going to do X whatever X may be. And as we make that resolution for X, maybe we don't think about how that decision is going to impact the rest of our life and the rest of the things that we do. And quite a lot of the time I've seen, well, over the years I've seen some Christians make a decision which seemed to be a good decision, maybe a job promotion or... um, a hobby um, as a way of getting fit and it's a good decision that they make but when they start looking at the impact that job promotion now means I can't go to church on a Sunday or you know this hobby now means I can't um, go to home group or I can't make the prayer meeting or I can't help out in children's church anymore because I've just not got time and so and so we need to be um, wise in how we make our resolutions and our decisions but if we want to live a life well I think 2 Peter verses 3 to 9 gives us some great ideas on how to do that It says, his, meaning God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. And for me, it's this idea of, you know, grasping one whilst not letting go of the other. And these verses talk about adding this, add this, and then add this, and have all these qualities in increasing measure. We have the capacity to hold more than one thing, and we can hold the one and grasp the other. And instead of laying it down, so let's say we've added to our faith goodness, and then along comes knowledge. We don't have to put down faith and goodness to pick up knowledge and add it and grasp hold of knowledge. And then as the, ne- as the next one comes along, we don't have to put down the three that we've, we can hold more than one thing. And they're not, so, they're not so wide that they're so huge that is, we've got to put them down. God increases our capacity so that we can hold more than one thing. To live a life well as we go into 2018, we need to keep God at the forefront of our minds and our decisions. We need to avoid extremes and we need to reach out and grasp the one and not let go of the other.